everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Hi. Emma's home from Texas. Oh, yeah. How are you feeling? You're gagging to go back already. I am a bit, yeah. And, and a bit jet lagged, but I have been taking melatonin before I go to bed. So that shit, I do, it knocks me out, which is so weird because, like, it's like supplemental, but it really fucking hammers me. Yeah, but you can't get it here, right? Like, you can get it, yeah. And Tylenol. I. Just come back from America with all the drugs I can handle. <laughs> Tylenol's the best painkiller ever. Oh, um, I didn't get any of that. No, no, because you because you're not a complete <laughs> fuckhead like me. I'm like, what's the best painkiller you have? I'm gonna take it back to the UK with me. Fair. When it's there, why not? Why um not? so the other thing, the reason I had to come back, well, one of the big reasons was because I went to a talk today. Oh right by Dr. Hannah Ritchie, who is a one-to-one client of mine, but also much more importantly, like an incredible scientist and data analytical researcher. Anyway, so she gave an an amazing talk today and I thought what would be useful or just interesting for people was like the top five principles of a climate-friendly diet. So I've got them here. Do you want to hear them? Can I guess them? Yeah, okay, go. Okay. (laughs) eat less meat yes keep an eye out for product packaging what is sustainably packaged okay so wait let's stop so eat less meat 100% right but what's interesting is beef and lamb are like mad yeah and then actually like chicken and fish are like significantly less and then eggs is even less than that so even if you just even if you were like I still want to eat a lot of meat I just cut red meat out and swap it for chicken a huge huge difference so that was quite interesting it's not just like eat eat less meat it's like if you limit or eliminate pardon I want to clarify that when I said meat I did actually mean red meat that I don't count poultry or fish as meat oh right an interesting definition but yeah okay in my head meat is like red meat it's like a cow okay well yeah then then you're 100% right well done Okay, packaging, is that on the list? So, very interesting as well. Packaging makes almost no difference. Ah, there we go then. And it's way more important what you eat than the packaging or how far it's come. So another like interesting thing is people think, oh, if you eat locally, then the food hasn't traveled as far, then actually like it'll be way more. That was gonna be my next one, yeah. Yeah, no, apparently makes almost no difference. And an example she gave was things like growing tomatoes in the UK is often more environmentally costly because you have to do things like artificially heat space or create like greenhouses and stuff where actually if you just got it from Spain, yeah. where, it, where it so naturally grows, that even with the transport costs, it's way better for the environment to get the food where it actually grows best rather than us trying to like curate an environment here. Okay, so those are my next two, and I'm clearly on the wrong path, so tell us, Emma. Tell us what all five of them are. 
Okay, well, actually, the, you've kind of nailed the first two. So the first one was eat a more plant-based diet. So even if you're looking at like swapping milk to any of the non-milk alternatives is significantly better than drinking dairy. Um, then less meat and lamb, even if you're just switching to like more chicken and fish. Food waste is a big one. Yeah, yeah. So just like not overbuying stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, source foods from where they grow well, not necessarily local. And then she's put at the bottom, like, um, important notes that, like, aren't on the list is that locally grown isn't better, organic isn't better, and actually sometimes worse. Yeah. Because it takes up more land mass. Um, and the packaging, like, doesn't make a huge difference. And neither does, like, GMO. In fact, if anything, like, GMO is probably a good thing in some ways. But yeah. what was really interesting is she, like, someone grilled her a little bit at the end, who's, like, really high up in the uni. And she responded so well, but but one of the questions was about, oh, what was it about now? It was like, because of the rising population, like we'll never be able to have enough food to feed everyone in the world. And she she like whipped out this incredible stat that at the moment we make enough food to feed everybody 6,000 calories a day. Wow. Which to me was just like, that's, I mean, she was obviously not talking about the obesity ep epidemic, but you kind of think, wow we're creating that much food that most people can eat like almost if not three times their daily needs per yeah. day yeah. and we're worried that we don't have enough food and it's just a perfect stat to back up that our bodies and our uh, our evolution as human beings is designed to safeguard us from starvation but it is not designed to survive this kind of food environment that we're in and to just really be conscious of that and keep that at the forefront of your mind. The kind of lack of ability that people have now to feel a very normal um, biological feeling throughout the course of the day, which is hunger, and be able to sit with it. It's it's astonishing how, how, how much that's kind of been preached as like a really bad thing. And it's, it's not, you know, we're really not meant to just constantly feed and constantly feel full it's not how we're designed at all yeah and even things like cravings you know how most people think that cravings inherently mean something like oh you know if you're craving this then it must mean that your body needs x or that you're depriving yourself or whatever and I'm like no it normally means that at some point whether consciously or subconsciously you've been exposed to that food yeah like how often are you craving pizza because someone's just been speaking about pizza yeah, not yeah. because your body's like oh I need it right now no you've seen an advert on tv that's why you're craving it that is actually different in pregnancy though like there's a lot of sign, like signs and symptoms of people who have um iron deficiency in pregnancy and end up wanting to do things like chew rocks or like yeah I've heard of people trying to eat coal like eat I really coal. want to eat coal yeah like brick cravings like it's really really interesting um but obviously that's a very different time where your body is literally everything in your body is driving you to do what's best for the yeah so it's just a and it's not that's what I mean like it, it's not craving pizza no yeah. craving like literally oh. coal yeah I love that so it was a great talk go on Hannah good for her yeah it was very very good I think I follow her I think you told me to. I don't think she puts, like, she doesn't put a whole lot on social media, but she she writes incredibly well and she's about to release a book. And she actually wrote a really interesting article recently that I think, like, Bill Gates retweeted, which is mad. Oh, um, but one of the take-homes for me, obviously, I'm always thinking of, like, how does this relate into a coaching context? And, like, yeah. 
a lot of what she was talking about today was actually that these like small impacts or small changes over time have a big impact, right? Much like small changes over time have a big impact on your health and your body composition. What she was talking about in this article is that there's so much doom and gloom around climate change and so many people coming out and saying like we're we're screwed basically like we're destined to ruin the planet blah 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 and then you think and and I think that the point is that they think they're going to scare people into change if you're telling someone we've ruined it already why on earth would they then want to change right and similar with like some of the obesity messaging like the whole obesity cancer link that was like so heavily advertised by Cancer Research UK it's like if you're already telling someone that they've increased their risk because they're obese without kind of giving them any like hope or optimism then why would they change and with climate research it's the same message it's like if you're telling people that there's no hope why would we make any changes whereas if you're telling people you know you should be optimistic actually and it's and it's optimism that creates change as opposed to pessimism yeah a lot of people try and like fear among the people into changing it and that's something that we need to change yeah yeah, I said this. Um, I said this the other day when I, I was I was so pissed off with the Just Stop World protesters. I mean, living in London, I'm pissed off with them anyway because they. I mean, I missed two of my midwife appointments because of their protests. Now, luckily, they were they were scheduled appointments. There was no emergency. But if there'd been an emergency, I would have been in trouble. Um, it, it being stuck in central London, pregnant with no, like stuck in back-to-back wall-wall traffic with nowhere to go. You can't get in a taxi. You can't, and if you can't walk when you're really heavily pregnant, which is when it happened, like you're fucked. Like it was not fun. Um, and I completely agree with their messaging and what they're trying to do, but I fucking hate how they're going about it. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And when I saw what those two girls did to the Van Gogh painting, interestingly, I had a good talk with Dr. Mike about this there is actually a really interesting and legitimate and justifiable reason why they chose to do that specific action, that form of protesting. Um, funnily enough, all to do with using the world's resources and you know paying money to safeguard certain things and not other things. So there was actually some, some very interesting, genuine logic behind it, still completely abhorrent and unacceptable, in my opinion, <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, and I said, I quoted what Hannah said to you and you repeated back to me that like, actually, we are actually doing more now than we've ever done in the history of humanity to protect and safeguard our environment. Now, could we be doing more? Should we be doing more? Yes and yes. But we're all trying our best and we're trying to get the ball moving faster and quicker as much as we can. And it's tough. It's not only tough on a micro level for us as civilians, but it's tough on a macro level in terms of the world stage and the world's economy, how we go about making these changes without fucking up another aspect of, like I say, economy. (laughs) Not that we have much left to fuck up there. Thanks, Liz. (laughs) Cheers, Liz. Um, I feel so sorry for her today though I mean my god some of the stuff I've been seeing I'm like okay okay she's resigned let's can we I just feel if I was her I would you know what that's some of the best memes I've ever seen I know they're amazing they're amazing but if I imagine if you were her would you not I mean I would be far far away as quickly as possible anyway um and and you're right that there is this huge doom and gloom about it and actually um that's not the way to incentivize and inspire people to make change at all like human beings are our successes are pinned down to one thing and one thing alone and that's our hope that if we do something we'll get something great out of it um so yeah i completely agree with her and she sounds like a fucking intelligent lady (laughs) 
she is and and it was really inspiring like even some of the stats that like because she kind of picked apart some of the arguments that are given against I guess make it or I get sometimes for climate change and sometimes against but like extreme arguments and actually we live in a much more sustainable way than our grandparents did because everything was based on coal and now we barely use coal at all and when you look at things like even in the last 10 years how much solar power used to cost compared to what it costs now you can see that there's like these huge moves forward even like car batteries I think she there was a stat it was like I don't know if it was 10 years or maybe it was 50 years ago the car battery but it was like it used to cost half a million Oh, wow. for like a tesla style car battery and now it costs thirteen thousand pounds right and it will keep coming down the more and more we put money into innovation in those areas yeah, yeah. so it's it, it was just like interesting to see like actually i can see how this would work and mainly because we won't be able to build economies in the way that we did before we'll have to use different resources but now that these resources are becoming cheaper and more available that's actually a feasible thing like previously you couldn't be like everyone gets solar power because yeah it was so expensive but now it's it's actually cheaper than like coal or oil or gas is she a consultant to anyone like big business or politic politicians or does she ever go in and i think so all of their data from our world and data was like what supported the government's covid messaging so she right. like the information behind that so i think a, a lot of government information comes from their research good for her what a good thing to be doing and and, and an appropriate way to be doing it unlike a lot of other people yeah right okay should I go to the questions yeah right Ollie evening both if you have any painkiller recommendations throw them at me currently got a splitting headache throat feels like gravel painful every time I cough which is often also my temperature is through the roof sounds like you've got COVID does he have COVID I don't know paracetamol and sleep I would say 100% 100% paracetamol um, and yeah cold, cold flannel on my head does it really helps me um, and sleep yeah okay and sending love Ollie obviously um, Isabel I'm totally susceptible to advertising making me want to eat I can't watch Bake Off what is that it's it, craving <laughs> yeah and it could be a it could be a, a result of over restriction of saying to yourself, I'm not going to have X, Y, Z. Whereas if you allow for these things in your diet, you will find that your cravings do become a lot more, they still happen because we're all human. Um, and, you know, psychological hunger is something that we all have to battle with in the food environment we're in. It, it just, it's an inevitable truth of where we are. Um, but by the more that you try and restrict these things or cut, specifically cut them out entirely, the more that those cravings are, are going to become um, really quite unmanageable, especially when you're in an effective fat loss phase. It's one thing when you cut something out and you, you start to really crave it after a few weeks. When you compound that with, with really successful fat loss, it's unbelievably difficult. So I would say try and keep it in, um, you know, in, in minimal to moderate amounts on a daily or weekly basis. Agreed. Yeah, just try not to be in too big a deficit, I guess. But this is quite a hard thing as well, because we've spoken about this rehunger, but it's very easy to think that because you can't ever feel what other people feel, that you crave things more than others or that you are a hungrier person than someone else. And we do know that hunger levels vary, but you'll never know what someone else feels. Yeah. And I was I was thinking about this because Amelia and I were traveling back and I was like, I'm so tired. And she was like, yeah, I'm really tired too. And it just made me think like, 
what like you Who's don't know <laughs> yeah like it's not not that it's competition but like who's t- I mean she was definitely more tired because I slept the whole plane journey but it, it's different people's perception like when someone says I'm really fatigued, one second I'll be back no worries then someone else's level of fatigue could be completely different I don't really know why that's useful recravings but I guess the point is like everyone can crave different amounts um but I agree with what Chloe said. Okay, Katie, nice to see you back safe and sound, Emma. Lovely to see you, Chloe. She's just popped off to do something. Kerry, sorry to hear you're ill, Ollie. I'm on holiday in the Algarve. The end. No. <laughs> Who said that? Kerry, it's not actually the end. Hold on. Um, but I had to get antibiotics for a chest infection and a sinus infection this morning after days of shivering, coughing and struggling to breathe. Aw, school oh. just caught up with me and then some. But I did wonder if the wisdomous oracles had any thoughts on falling ill when you stop and relax or change routine. It's so common, isn't it? It's so common. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's uh, do you know, do you know the science behind it? Is there any science behind it? I think there's theory behind it in that, like, once you start like resting and relaxing, that your body's like, oh, there's like enough energy to be unwell or like things kind of start to catch up with you a bit. Um, More to do, I guess, with like stress levels than anything else. Yeah. Um, You can argue it the other way as well. Like when you're uber stressed, you often get ill because you've just got so much going on. Do you know what I um, found out the other day, which I never knew, which was quite a shock, which is that stress hormone is actually released in tears. Did you know that? no isn't that really interesting so that so that it's just oh. a podcast this doctor i was listening to on this podcast about like newborn babies crying and she was like well there is one benefit to them having a crying fit and then the person interviewing her was like oh that it strengthens their lungs she was like no that's nonsense please nobody believe that she was like but it does release stress hormones so it genuinely does calm them down and i was like what who knew this well it's like um screaming reduces pain doesn't it Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great parallel to draw. Okay, Kerry. Also, Hannah's lecture sounds like it was incredible, and Maggie's saying it doesn't it just. It was very good. Um, Ollie, thanks, Kerry. Sucks that you're ill on holiday. Hope you're feeling better soon. Yeah, I hate that. It's so annoying. No. Hopefully, those antibiotics work. Right, Kelly. Hello, ladies. I am nervous going into week three. My self-fulfilling prophecy has all has been that I always fail slash fall off the wagon that week. The good news is I'm aware of what's going on this time and I haven't felt deprived at all. But any tips, please? Stop making it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you're doing incredibly well. Why would that have to change? Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. And I wouldn't like, I mean, the, the reason we're not going to go into that is because it sometimes makes it worse. <laughs> Like, just don't think about it. Get through this week. It's fine. It'll be exactly the same as last week. Don't make it a bigger deal than it needs to be. Yeah. Okay, Polly, is there enough food to feed everyone? No, sorry. If there is enough food to feed everyone, it it just emphasises the inequality in the world with some too much and some starving. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. When I heard it, I was like, wow. So not only does that, given that some people have no or very little food, it's not like everyone's eating three times the amount. It's probably like people in the Western world are probably eating like eight to ten times as much as yeah. we need. Yeah, yeah. And this is and this is why like people get very hot tempered about the obesity epidemic. But actually, if if you understand the hormonal changes that take place once you enter that category, it's hundred percent forgivable and understandable that you know so many people are in the position that they're in. Um, 
but it is crazy isn't it when you think about how yeah yeah the disparity of of food availability for different mm. people yeah even that is interesting although a very like probably in a topic I wouldn't personally want to talk about for the hate that you might get but like the environmental cost of obesity oh that's what I mean because if you're saying you know one of those top five things are food waste you could claim that food waste is eating more than what you need yeah absolutely yeah okay Maggie. Right. having a bit of a domestic day let me shut that door oh, that's absolutely fine um hi clamor thank you all for your help so far i have been feeling rather low recently very much in a funk mentally and physically my non-scale victory today is that i went to the gym and did about three quarters of a workout when I'm feeling low, I spend most of my time either on the floor or in bed. My appetite stinks and I have low interest in food. I'm largely fed up with protein yogurts and bars. Do you have any super easy, simple suggestions on how to make protein intake simple? Um, I think that's it. Um, one, well done for getting to the gym because when you don't feel like going, that's huge. And it's like getting three quarters of a workout done will probably give you 99% of the benefit of the workout. So that's massive, well done. Chloe's about to get her boob out on, on camera, which is fine. We're all friends here. Um, <laughs> off we go to the wall view. Right. Uh, re having low interest in food. Do you know what, what is actually really good that I probably wouldn't have suggested years ago? It's like ready meals high protein ready meals, so available. They're actually pretty tasty now. Bulk them out with them, some veg if you want. And if you've got this like really low interest in food at the moment and your appetite is down as well, I would just focus on like at this point, I don't always like this saying, but like food as fuel. Like yeah. cool. you, you know the things that are going to make you feel better, even if you don't feel like doing them at the moment. Now, am I saying that's easy? Hell no. It's the hardest time to do it when you don't want to do it but you've already been to the gym, like you've got yourself out of the house, like that's incredible given how you feel. Now fuel your body with good, healthy, nutritious food because I'm willing to bet if you start doing those things within a few days, you will start to feel better. Yeah. Which is hard, but like push through that bit. Yeah, and, and the, it sounds like a cop-out answer, but go on my Instagram page because I have done four or five really long carousel posts on how to nail your protein how to stick to your calorie deficit, how to still have a nutritious, healthy diet. Um, so go and have a look because I'm not joking. Those posts that have like the 10 slide carousels, that, like they take me over an hour like to write and to put together. And it's all for the, my clients. It's not really for my fault, it's for you guys. So go and have a look there. Yeah, there are certain bits of content that are like gold evergreen content that is just so, so useful. And then it kind of gets lost on social media. Yeah. We probably have a section that just has like, these are kind of our top 10 posts that everyone should read. Yeah, I've put it as a, a feature for the last, what, three rounds that we've done. You should definitely do the same thing because your content is far better than mine. All right. Well, then you'd already done that. I <laughs> put some, like the step count one. Mm -hmm. We should put it on the yeah. member site. There's All right. Yes, we should. Okay, there we go. Right. Um. 100% poly, fifth richest economy in the world, still have food banks, not right. Yeah. Um, okay. Hey, gals, do you have any thoughts on CBD as a supplement? I, try, I decided to try it this week as I was feeling really anxious and I couldn't shake it. I'm now feeling great, but just suspicious that any info when researching it 
comes from sellers. So if you want to research like the, the fundamentals, you can go to PubMed or Google Scholar. Mm -hmm. The issue with that and telling like, and I'm sure you're like, you might be way more into reading research than I am, but like I even struggle to read that research because there, there's the skill of reading research and knowing how to extrapolate the information that you want and the context of it. But when it's in an area that you don't know that much about, and by the way, I used to work, I did a study on essentially CBD in a slightly different context, but the endocannabinoid system. And I would still say I'm a bit of a novice in that area. Like I don't fully understand it. And yeah. they're using certain tests and you don't know the benefits or the costs of those, or like, you know, what yeah. those tests actually mean and how to use that data. Muscle protein synthesis is a great example because that's tested in different ways. Yeah. And you'll find numerous studies that are like, such and such increases muscle protein synthesis, but they've not related it to whole body protein and its relationship to muscle protein breakdown. And actually, yeah. if you're building muscle at the end of the day, or whether it's just showing synthesis rates went up, which means very little in the context of, of like, if you were looking at how much muscle you might build off the back of that. But when it's an, and I know like a fair amount about protein metabolism, but I don't know very much about the endocannabinoid system and the different tests that you would do in and how you would extrapolate that to real world. So it's hard to kind of get the data without having a huge amount of knowledge. However, most of the research isn't very compelling in this area. Like it, it's interesting and it's new, but in terms of like the impact on, on anxiety, there is some research that suggests that it may be beneficial, but it looks like the main benefit is a placebo effect, which I'm not taking anything away from. Like if if you're taking it and it reduces your anxiety, great. The only negative to that can be that if you're taking it and it's really expensive and it's costing you a lot of money and there's no active ingredient working there, it's a very expensive placebo. Now, the hard side of that is that if it wasn't very expensive, it might not work. Yeah. Because placebos that cost more work better. Yeah. So there's kind of like various levels to this. The other thing about CBD is... And again, there's not been a huge amount of research on this, but of the, I think they looked at 30 different um, CBD products and it was something wild, like 80% of them didn't have the amount that they said on amount. it. Yeah. yeah. And then 20% of them had no CBD in whatsoever. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, so you don't even really know what's in the product. Yeah. I mean, if you're spending a lot on it, I wouldn't. But if you think it's helping you and it's not costing you a huge amount of money, then it's probably not doing any harm. Yeah, I echo everything that Emma said. It's not kind of, it's not been, it's not been decided yet how effective it actually is. It's not been well studied enough yet. And it's not been, it's not been a, a kind of, we haven't got to the end of the line of determination, but I mean, is there other things that you could be doing or taking that would genuinely help that are genuinely backed up yes um cbd as emma said is the the most kind of plausible uh kind of outcome of why it's so successful is the placebo effect but fuck it if that if it's doing it for you if it's helping you then then so be it i always feel bad saying stuff like that because i always feel like i'm you know like treading on the toes of something that's working for someone yeah because sometimes actually if you figure out something so placebo it has less of a placebo effect of but course. then interestingly there's research that shows that even when people know they're taking a placebo they still have 
a benefit yeah. to it. Yeah. And sometimes it's how it's being taken. So some of the first studies on placebo were done essentially on this man who thought he could use magnets to cure people of certain diseases. Yeah. And so much of that was to do with the ritual of you came into this doctor's surgery and he did all this stuff with ma with magnets around you. And he was like, I can feel your energy. And like, you know, it was a process. It took time. You came to a professional place. It was someone who you respected given they were a doctor. And it was actually all of that. And it was very expensive that caused the, the benefits as opposed to the magnets actually doing anything. Yeah. Um, and how you take you take it before bed you hold it on your tongue you're forced to stop sit still quiet wait yeah yeah which in itself if you're an anxious person and I've probably noticed this from time to time especially when I'm really busy I probably genuinely won't have just sat for five seconds while CBD would be under your tongue yeah. and done nothing the whole day yeah. so even just doing that and being like I just need to wait for five, 10 seconds, whatever it is for this to like absorb into my body. Yeah. That probably reduces anxiety in itself. Massively, I totally agree. Mm. Okay, um, Sarah Lynn, so many wins this round so far. My consistency with nutrition has greatly improved. I've managed to avoid emotional eating and I took imperfect action and launched my podcast. You ladies both inspired me so much. If anyone's interested, you can listen on Spotify. It's called Middle Way Method. Yeah great that's like very much what emma and i always are saying <laughs> our boring boring middleman approach but it is the approach that has the most effect um well done sarah lynn you're absolutely fucking smashing this round yeah and i think middle ground like it's so important because you can take the the pros of like actually quite hard dieting and the pros of like anti-diet and kind of mix them because actually it's the middle ground that's usually the right way to do it and you can see the pros and cons of both like I did a post about why meal plans why you shouldn't stick to meal plans yesterday but I'm also going to do a post probably tomorrow or something about why meal plans are really useful but why you should make your own right yeah, yeah. And the middleman approach yeah, yeah exactly there's pros and cons to each New but one. it's very hard to to sell that yeah nobody wants that when you, like the post that does well is when you're like all oh, meal plans are stupid and if you take them then you're an idiot or blah 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 take them do them whatever um kanchan you only have to look at apps like too good to go to see how much food waste there is in this country oh my god like yeah i didn't even really think of like shots what's too good to go i think it's like when uh tesco or something I think has like loads of stuff left over and you can like get it. I think, I think some supermarkets are now better at like at the end of the day, giving all the reduced stuff to a food bank. Yeah. But interestingly, and it wasn't that long ago, I know that because my mate worked in Tesco, they had to put like all of the like stuff that was going off in a locked bin. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That was a huge scandal. That was a huge scandal and there was a huge outcry about that. They don't, they don't do that anymore. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's, and I know that in, I know that a lot of, um, I never saw it when I lived in, in the Midlands with James, but in London, if you walk past like the cafes at closing time, usually around six or seven, there's always a, a huge queue outside because they're giving away all the food from the end of the day that they didn't end up selling. And that's a really common thing to see in London. But I, 
I really didn't actually see it ever when I was. I don't see it up here. No, no. But and then it was weird as well because isn't it prep that at the end of the day you take all their stuff to a food bank or something? But it was like a huge deal that prep did that, and I was just thinking, why wouldn't everybody do that? If you're literally the difference between putting it in a bin, yeah, and even like I'm sure places would come and get it if you were like that lazy that you didn't want to go and give it. Hundred percent. Very strange. Um, okay. Hi, wonderful ladies. Can you share some of the science behind breastfeeding and the extra calories? I read somewhere that you can have an additional 490 calories a day above maintenance. Very specific. Funny. <laughs> Is this a myth? I have fat loss goal and I'm losing on pretty high calories, 2,200. I'm 86 kilograms. But notice that some other breastfeeding mums in the group are on much lower calories. Thanks. Um. Yeah, look, first of all, the, the exact amount, this is just not going to work for me, the exact amount is, um, is, has, been, has been determined to be anywhere between kind of one to 500, depending on where the study's been conducted, how the study's been conducted. Um, I would go as far as to say that, yes, you can absolutely diet on more calories if you're breastfeeding. I'm really sorry, guys. I'll have to go give that to my parents. Um, if you're dieting on more calories, uh, if, sorry, you can diet on higher calories if you're breastfeeding, but um, how your body responds to it also is going to be dependent on a number of factors as well. Let me go take her out and I'll come back and we'll talk. Okay, right. I'll, I'll just cover the latter part, which is that you've noticed that some mums in the group are on lower calories. And just remember, like you cannot compare yourself to someone else. Like that other person might have way lower expenditure than you or way higher expenditure than you or only weigh 60 kilograms or weigh 120 kilograms like your individual energy needs are going to be different which is why you know just one um calorie target for everyone isn't going to work the other thing i will say about um dieting while breastfeeding is that the primary focus is on milk quality and quantity which means you don't want to be in a massive deficit as much as fat loss is a goal, it's not a higher goal than feeding your new baby. And that's always gonna be the priority. So we'd rather have you in a slightly lower or a slightly smaller deficit than the bigger deficit. And you've also just had a baby and you're probably not gonna have that much sleep. And you're probably gonna be impacted in so many other ways that adding on a huge amount of pressure, trying to stick to a very low calorie diet or a lower calorie diet probably just isn't worth it yeah sorry about that I really thought I really thought after a nap she would sit quietly but she did not um okay yeah so sorry yes it is fair to say as a blanket statement that if you are breastfeeding you can and should be dieting on higher calories and by dieting I don't I want to take away like a fat loss goal and I just want to be very clear that I mean food intake. Um, you, you can be on a higher calorie food intake and you should be on a higher calorie food intake because your body is being forced to make new substance and new fluid, which is full of nutrients to feed your offspring. Now, it will be true. The reason why I think that there, there's such a kind of disparity between some, some studies have shown it to be like a hundred, one to 200 calories. Some have shown it to be four to 500 calories. I think 
will be reflective of the women that the studies were done on. So it's like everything that Emma and I do, it's quite subjective to you. How much body fat do you have on your body? Because that is stored calories. So that still plays a role. How much activity are you doing? If you're very sedentary, you likely don't need to be having as many calories as someone who's very active to keep making your breast milk to feed your baby. Really interesting fact on, um, I heard Emma talking about quality v quantity. Quantity should be your only worry it should be your only concern quality is of not of your concern whatsoever even if you didn't have a great diet your baby would be getting all the nutrients that they need from your breast milk it's you who would suffer it's the mother who wouldn't who would have uh you know we all know uh, breastfeeding for example your, your calcium levels will drop as a breastfeeding mother for obvious reasons your iron levels drop significantly in pregnancy but also after labor significantly so if you aren't getting in the nutrients that you need you're the one that's going amiss but your baby even if your diet isn't brilliant is getting everything they need so nobody needs to worry about that um, and that's just a bit of a myth that is out there that I just wanted to clear up. Um, I think you- to a large extent, the just because you've brought this up, to a large extent, most of the research suggests that the um, quantity of milk is a bit of a myth as well. Because as you're saying, actually, you prioritise breast milk and, and quality, however you're defining that, right? And, and like you're saying, it would be you that probably suffers. Mm-hmm. And there's been a fair, I mean, a fair amount of research there's not very much on breastfeeding mothers as it is because of the niche of that population. But yeah, dieting doesn't actually seem to affect quantity or quality from what we know. But again, like, why would you want to push that anyway? I think, yeah, I mean, I I would, you, there is also, I would just like to say as, as somebody who is currently breastfeeding, there is this constant fear in your head because you're not bottle feeding unless you've expressed milk of like, how much is my baby drinking? Is my baby getting enough milk? Is the reason that they're not going down for a long enough nap, the fact that they haven't been well-fed enough or the fact that they've got, and it's a constant question. Whereas if, you, if you're bottle feeding, everything from like your psychology of, okay, my baby's getting enough milk, I, that's fine. Everybody's fine. But also in terms of the, the ability to put your baby on a schedule, it's so much easier because you can quantify what's going on throughout the course of the day. And I think that there is this kind of very present um, visceral fear in every breastfeeding mother's head the whole time of, am I making enough milk? Is my milk going to dry up? And, and, and it, I think it's unavoidable. And I think it's just, unfortunately, diet is another thing that we can be like, well, I dropped my cat. And I, I actually just think it's one of those unavoidable, unavoidable visceral narratives that happen when it happens when you breastfeed. And, and Emma's right, you know, I, I've had plenty of clients who've been breastfeeding absolutely on the leaner side of things, um, who've been on 1800 calories and had no issues at all. So I just don't think it's anything any, anybody needs to worry about. But as Emma said, we hedge our bets. We say, instead of dropping you into a 20% deficit or a 10% deficit, we'll drop you into a 5% deficit. Do you know what I mean? And see what happens. <laughs> Okay, Kerry, unrelated, but the Liz Trust memes on Hunsnet are lols. And also, have you seen the cheese clip? We import two thirds of our cheese. That is a disgrace. What's the funniest thing about it is just her face. Her face! When she's she's so smirky. It's like, that's a disgrace. (laughs) She goes, that's it. And then her face completely changes. And then she goes back to smirky. I do, guys, though, I have to say, like, I do feel look it's a shit heap of her own doing of her own making in fact the whole party all of them can get fucked but I do now feel like okay she's resigned like 
okay everyone is still hammering her and I'm like oh god I just feel so bad for her my human side is like oh it is it is a shame although have you seen that someone was doing like will this lettuce last longer than Liz truck and the lettuce lasted longer (laughs) (laughs) oh or the the thing that she always talks about like pork she was going to a pork market or something yeah yeah I, I, I was laughing at that so much because when we were coming back into the UK like the one thing they kept saying like we must have heard it like I don't know if it was on the plane but also some signs and stuff it was like you can't bring more than two kilograms of pork back into the UK and Amelia kept being like Emma make sure you don't bring them which was not funny but when you're that tired was kind of funny and then it just reminded me of those trusts good luck bringing that back into the UK have you seen all the memes of like her in the in the back of the car and it's like when it's 4 30 in the morning on a Thursday raining oh, I don't even want to say because we have too many drug references already in the podcast <laughs> oh. anyway go on okay right can chan might sound boring but I didn't I did economics at a level <clears throat> and there is a lot of political issues around food mountains and countries not offering their surplus to other countries it goes beyond being paid for that food nearly 20 years on since my a-levels but the issue is still apparent yeah yeah i, I don't know it might have even got worse who knows i right. love you did economics canter and i'm really jealous of that yeah me too or like behavioral economics is like my favorite favorite thing to read up on you know when you get older i look back on like school and uni and i'm like I was so lucky that that was that like that that time in my life ever even happened and I did not appreciate in fact I won't lie I fucking hated it I was not I did not a farewell in the academic system I look back now and I'm like I wish I could do that now like all of it the all the schooling the the exams the whole thing it's mad isn't it I do think one thing that Hannah brought up as well is that we tend to focus on like the negatives like even um Carrie said the and, and I completely agree but like we live in one of the richest countries in, in the world and we still have food banks it's awful right but when you look at the percentage of people that live in poverty over the last hundred years it's gone from like 80 percent to five yeah like we have made significant improvements but that kind of stuff's not reported because it's not seen as like news yeah. yeah what is reported is oh food banks are going up which is such a big problem but it is interesting that, yeah, like when you zoom out a little bit and you're like, look at all the massive improvements that yeah. we've had in quality of life over the last hundred years. Yeah, no one's interested in writing about that. No. <laughs> right, okay, Isabel. What's been great for me the past two weeks has, has been that I've been to a few social occasions where I've enjoyed myself and not gone ethic completely. However, I have a tricky one this Sunday, 18 people for lunch for my hubby's birthday. I'm doing a big chili, rice and salad and chocolate brownies and ice cream. But I find it really hard not to go to town on the drinks and get stuck into the crisps, etc. I feel like I cannot just have one small brownie. I'll want three and feel like I quote unquote deserve it. All of these competing thoughts and worries about failing, falling miserably off the wagon kind of make me dread these events. It's not a question really just throwing my thoughts out there. So one way that I like to approach this and I think works really well for people is to make the decision before you get into the situation so if you just go into this and kind of in the headspace you're in now you're like 
I know I'm going to want three brownies and I know I really like once I have some crisps I just end up snacking on them and then you never really know how many you've had because it's like a sharing plate of crisps or you know and then they get filled up you know if I had a handful if I had three handfuls like I don't really know anymore go in with a set plan so it when it comes to like picky things if you're on a diet like I probably generally try to avoid them because it's very hard to keep track of what you've had but have one brownie and really really enjoy it but set that target before you get in there like make the choice once and stop wasting brain energy basically debating with yourself of reasons why but it would be fine to have three or I could cut my calories later or I kind of deserve it like make the choice once really enjoy it and then be really proud of yourself afterwards and use it as a bit of a test to prove to yourself that you can go and enjoy that environment, especially if you have a plan going into it. So you're not kind of peer pressured or you don't just end up going over calories accidentally or basically going in, hoping that things will just turn out the way that you want them to turn out. That rarely works, especially if you kind of said you've got a track record of that. Go in with some intent. I'm going to have, you know, like one scoop of chili, one serving of rice and a big side salad. And then I'm going to really enjoy one brownie and that's it. And then that's that's part of my like goal this week. That's a huge win. If you can decide to do that before, implement it, make a promise to yourself and keep it, then that's how you start to build trust with yourself. And you might have to be quite intentional with that, like the first few big events that you go to like this. But then you'll end up just going and being like, not really having to think about that stuff anymore. So I think some people are put off by that because they're like, well, every time I go out for dinner, I have to kind of make this promise to myself that this is what I'm going to have. No, but initially that might be a really good way to do it. And then as you become more confident, as you've built that trust in yourself, because you do stick to the things you say you're going to do, you don't have to think about it half as much. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, it, look, sometimes, and I was talking to, I think it was Joe on the group today who you know, went and ordered something and then it came with these sides and she was having lunch with her friend and she just ended up eating it all and then was like, oh my God. And then because of this kind of, I guess, panic, guilt, shame mentality that she'd eaten what was put in front of her, which is a very normal human thing to do. Um, because of that mentality, she was like, well, I fucked up now. And obviously, you know, when you're dieting, it is a much more kind of restrictive mindset. You can't say yes to everything. So your, your brain kind of gives you the excuse. It lets you off the hook to be like, well, now I will do whatever I want the whole day. And, uh, whereas actually, and I said this to her, she reframed it to be like, oh, okay, they've put more food in front of me than I ordered. Well, you know what? I want to eat this. I'm at lunch with my friend. I'm going to eat it, enjoy it. And the rest of the day, I'll get straight back on track and I'm not going to feel guilty. And she framed it to have that point of view, that mental attitude. The rest of the day would have never been such a shit heap and she wouldn't be feeling so crap about it today. She'd be looking back at yesterday going, that was such a nice lunch. Oh, when I got back on, she'd be feeling great today. Um, the difference here is obviously that you can, as Emma said, go into this with a plan, with some intent. Um, and I think this is a really, really nice, um, what's the word, exercise for you. And as Emma said, you have your rice, have your chili, have your warm brownie with a scoop of ice cream. Um, have you know a, a couple of drinks you know give yourself the goal to have like one drink with your main one drink with dessert you know one drink on arrival and really have like a like emma said like a like a set kind of intake of what you're going to have and enjoy it enjoy and we're not saying don't have any of these things enjoy it um and be very very um 
kind of present with the experience and what you're what you're deciding to do and also remember what your goal is guys remember why you're here what the end goal is and it makes the things the decisions that you're making much more empowering and much less um i guess um depressive really and and also uh, uh, just one kind of tip don't make enough brownies for anyone to have seconds including you make a brownie make enough brownies so that everybody gets a brownie after their meal and then then you know just say like oh you know jill doesn't want her brownie who wants it who wants to share it someone will undoubtedly say me serve it up to them because you're the host <laughs> the host can't have the brownie that, that that jill doesn't want um and and kind of yeah and and set that parameter and i would agree with emma when it comes to like the kind of the welcome snacks just say no yeah just- I agree like it we come back to basically every podcast but it's intent right like it can either be an empowered choice in line with your goals that you can feel proud of or you can make it feel really restrictive like oh I can't have this I can't have that I can only have one brownie instead of like the same action like I can have one brownie and enjoy it or I can only have one brownie is the same action but feels very different yeah exactly. remember like how you're speaking to yourself about these choices as well and that like it's a choice that you want to make because you want to get closer to this goal agreed um she's just saying thanks ladies i like a challenge and i'm definitely going to challenge myself to do what you say on sunday decide in advance move on no guilt be proud yes yeah exactly and obviously now you have accountability because you have to let us know how you get on yeah Okay. Hi, lovely ladies. This is Samantha. Emma, I hope you had a great time in the US. I have lived here for four and a half years until joining the EC method. I was constantly getting bigger. Food portions are huge and calories hidden in everything and clothes shops cater to, to bigger people much more. I think I just found being bigger easier, sorry, much easier here than in the UK. I accepted my size and thought it was much more normal. That's so interesting. Anyway, especially with clothing, e.g. regular stores go to size 24. Do you think the impact of this means people lose perspective on what is a healthy size and how to live healthily? Yeah. Such an interesting uh, Because actually social norms have such a massive impact. Yeah. Like if it's, even if you think of like the, the fact that some people think you're weird if you bring in your lunch to the office, they're like, oh, like it's a social norm just to eat the chips at the canteen. Like, that's not a healthy choice and like what I noticed being in America especially Texas is it is wild for you to walk places when I met people and they were they were like oh like where did you park I'm like I like I just walked here what what like more than like 10 minutes like yeah I just walked here and part of it's like it's not really set up that well for walking like the but also like that's just become a social norm there which makes and that will have a huge impact not just on people's weight but also on people's health like the step count must be way lower than it would be obviously if you had to walk more places um so I think that's part of it and that is now like I said a social norm and then yeah if the if the norm is everyone is overweight then you wouldn't feel overweight because by definition you're the norm Right. And I think that probably does have a huge impact. Then there's even very interesting, if not a little bit controversial research around how the people around you impact you. So it's something I can't remember off the top of my head, but it massively shocks me. It was like something like you have a 25% higher risk of being obese if a friend of a friend is obese. So not even a di- like you don't know this person. They're a friend of your friend. You've never met that person. 
but even like the trickle on of those of the impact of those behaviors can have an impact on you as well so it's very interesting how social norms can impact your behaviors and then obviously your outcomes yeah I, I th- it takes anyone who's been in two completely polar opposite environments to and and seeing how easy it is to be swayed like James when he was a professional athlete was a completely different person a completely different animal socially than he is now that he's retired I mean it is night and day it's really really interesting um and I noticed that when I was pregnant as well obviously it's not just you know drinking or anything like that so there's a lot you can't do there's a lot of activities you can't partake in when you're pregnant and you see the shifts in in yourself your personality who you are um, it's really, really interesting. I was talking to one of my friends about it today because she's she's really struggling in her third trimester pregnancy. I really struggled in my third trimester pregnancy. It was hard on me psychologically. And I didn't see it happening. It came out of nowhere, but it's because you're so isolated in your social life, in your experience, everything. Um, and it has a huge impact on your mental health, the decisions you make and your surrounding kind of environment. Um, So yeah, I think it's really important to really, and this is where Emma will say journaling, um, you know, to really pin down what you want to get out of your life as a solo entity. What do you want to achieve? What do you want? And, And start to carve out the behaviors in the environment to make that happen because, because if you don't, it's just going to be swimming against the tide constantly. Yeah. And I mean, even in other examples, like if you're in the fitness industry, for example, and you're a personal trainer and all of your mates compete, then actually some really disordered behaviors can become normal. Like it can be normal for people to be like, well, I don't know, have a bite of a bagel and then like spit it out or something, you know, like really like disorder. Like, I mean, that's what's it chew and spit. That's an eating disorder. Right. So, but things like that can seem like normal within extreme environments that everyone's surrounding you and like getting mega lean for a photo shoot and getting up at 6am to do cardio and, and like canceling clients or impacting the rest of your life just for this one purpose. But if you're being encouraged to do that by your peer group, yeah, yeah, yeah. that now seems normal that we should all be, you know, like that's the pinnacle of success. Yeah. Then it's very easy to fall into those kind of like disordered behaviors. And if you're not checking in on yourself and being like, is this actually what I want with my life? Is this actually important to me? Or have I just surrounded myself with people who see this as success? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think more broadly, you know, if you, I've said this before, and and again, it's probably quite like a harsh statement, but I stand by it. If you act like the average person in the UK, you will be overweight, have very little savings, potentially divorced like the average person probably isn't what you want to aim for which means that your behaviors also can't be average unless you want to end up like the average person who in the UK is overweight which means that some of your behaviors won't seem quote-unquote normal to people because by definition they can't be what the average person is doing yeah 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 I, I also just interestingly on the I never talk about that um, eating disorder ever because I've had two clients now in my career tell me that they heard somebody talking about it and that's how they picked it up and that's how it they started doing it so I've, I never ever talk about it but now that it's been <laughs> now that it's been spoken of it, anybody that is a really quite a common thing to start happening and um, I would say it's as common as, as the amount of clients that everyone I get who come to us 
thinking and often wrongly thinking they have binge eating disorder but it is it is quite common and if anybody's going through that to please reach out to emma and i and let us know um it is actually quite easily fixed to be honest so yeah yeah. and sometimes just knowing that it's not that you know like it's not a great thing to be doing like i I remember speaking to a guy who he was prepping for a bodybuilding show to be fair he was like oh yeah like sometimes i'll just put um mini eggs in my mouth and then just spit them out again i was like that's that's food wastage on another level yeah that's extreme food wastage I remember the first time I did like a big photo shoot prep where I got really really lean and I would try James's food while I was cooking it for him to make sure the pasta was cooked or you know whatever it was the chili had been cooking long enough and I would spit it out and it was him who was like don't do that and I was like no because I don't want that to have to track it and like I'm trying to get really in shape and he was like I don't care it's not normal don't do that and it took him like exactly what we're saying about your environment pulling me out of that to be like oh that's really not normal but there are people who do this generally across the board with every and it's yeah definitely talk to us because we can help you and don't be embarrassed it happens yeah okay samantha's just saying emma the walking thing is so true i lived 15 minutes walk from the office and someone saw me walking one day and checked i was okay (laughs) as they were worried that i'd walked then they said how european and i just said well i'm walking to work (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny you know one of my friends around here kind of did that I was like oh I got rid of my car like I mean I don't have my car anymore so I just walk places and they were they were like obviously worried that like financially I wasn't okay so they were like can't they were like do you think maybe your mum and dad would help you out with a car and I was like <laughs> like I run for very small businesses but thank you for your concern and if I wanted to get a car on one of my businesses I could but thank you for your concern yeah. it's so funny though that people go to like oh my god there must be something wrong, wrong. If you're walking somewhere like no no quite happy um okay should we do last one yes right Alice hi sorry just joined happy Friday quick question I'm managing to stay within 1800 calories per day but keeping fat at 40 grams is proving tough will keeping at extra calories but fat being higher slow down no 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 everyone remember the fat target is a minimum so you can go over it the protein target also a minimum you can go over those if you're staying within your calories absolutely fine it's really just preference after the bare minimums of the fats and proteins we want you to have the rest is complete preference and will vary daily like that's totally normal so it sounds like you're smashing it here here all right great sorry about the baby guys I I I predicted that wrong sorry (laughs) it was fine did my did anyone see my actual boob no we didn't so I tried to angle it <laughs> okay, love you guys. Oh, I, was saying, I was listening to the last time <laughs> in the bath last night and dropped my phone in. <laughs> Classic. Oh. Our cool iPhone's waterproof now. I don't know. I wouldn't ever test it. No, Maybe. I would never test it, but James is like adamant that they are. All right then. Okay, have a lovely weekends, everyone. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.